Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. I love the way that God works in our lives. I love the way He works, the way He can come and and speak to interpret for us even things um, long ago. This morning, I woke up early, and it was kind of in that pre-dawn hour and sort of half asleep, half awake, and God was speaking, and he was bringing back up to me a very painful time in our lives. It was back in early marriage. Samuel was our only child. He was a little toddler. We were in Washington, D.C. I was working downtown, and it was a it was a precious time for Stacy. She loved it. She had close friends, other moms with young children. We were very involved in our church and just a great group of people. And and I pulled the plug on all of that. I just couldn't take D.C. I hated my job, and I just didn't feel like God was in it. And we prayed about it, and it wasn't a mandate or an edict. I mean, we both prayed and made the decision to leave and to move back to Southern California, but it was brutal. The pain, the heartache, the suffering, it just, it ushered in a season of loneliness. Stacy was heartbroken, and I felt horrible for having ushered in all that. And I'm lying in bed this morning, and God starts speaking to me about that. And he says, John, you didn't do it. That was a good decision, Hmm. despite the fact that it brought suffering, and Hmm. it did bring suffering, and that suffering was real and lasted for a while. He said, you need to forgive yourself Hmm. for the pain that you brought into your life and Stacy's and and for that season, because that was actually a good decision. Hmm. And I could hear him in that. I could see you know, from years away, that was a really good decision. It was a necessary decision. But in the moment, in that time with so much pain, I mean, that was immediately self-doubt, self-deprecation, and just the idea of, wow, I forgive myself for the pain that that brought in, but I accept the interpretation that that was actually a good decision. Hmm. How kind of God hmm. to come and reinterpret something for me. And that was, what, five years ago <laughs> that happened? 22 years ago. John, that's amazing. What had been your experience of God with that event at the time and for the last 22 years, kind of going without that interpretation? I think in the moment, my interpretation, in the moment, in the crisis, loneliness, heartbreak, suffering, I think I just clicked into survival mode. I just got to get us through this. We've got to get plugged into a new community. We've got to find a new neighborhood, a new way of doing things. And I think I just went to survival mode and I didn't address any of that. But I think I, in the moment with God, I just think I went to, I screwed up. I blew Mm. it. This was horrible. Look at the pain this brought. This was horrible. I'm an idiot. I'm not a man. I can't lead my family well. I'm not walking well with mm-hmm. God. 
in that particular instance, I didn't feel like I was, you know, felt abandoned by God. I just felt like, hey, I brought this on myself. Yeah, yeah. Your suffering is a consequence of just your own lack of wisdom yeah. and strength. Foolishness, yeah. bad choices, yeah. yeah, selfishness, right. Which is a category for suffering. It can be. Yeah. It can be, but not this one. Yeah, and to hear that... I mean, that's this morning. So that's something lifts. and Yeah, something lifted big time. And I just love how God did yeah. that for us today. Friends, <laughs> welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. And John Eldridge and Craig McConnell here. And we're in the midst of what feels like just an enormously important series on interpretation, how you interpret life, how you interpret different things that happen. And we were talking about interpreting your internal chaos. We've been talking about interpreting God mm-hmm. and, and his actions or inactions, unanswered prayer, which takes us just very naturally into today and, and next time. I think this is going to take us to just interpreting disappointment, interpreting suffering. Where do you go? How do you interpret you know, heartache, disappointment, suffering in your life, because how you interpret it is, again, massive, massive, massive. And just this morning, you know, I've been living 22 years with this guilt. And this mm-hmm. morning, Jesus comes and reinterprets that for me and says, you need to actually forgive yourself. Yeah. You wonder how many of uh, people listening in are living with great pain or suffering or events from the past that are unfolding right now. And and not having God speak to them and give them some interpretation of what's going on, how to understand this and in their part and their place and where this is going and so on and so forth. You wonder how many people just don't have any sense of what's going on mm. in their story or a larger story and God's involvement in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we fall to one of two places then. I think the immediate battle is either we go to I brought this on myself. Mm-hmm. I I deserve this. I'm, you know, some form of guilt, shame, or I think without interpretation, without even being careful of our own, I think we just naturally go then to God's God's not with me. He's not helping me. He's not coming through. You know, it might be as strong as he's betrayed me or he's abandoned us or it might just be that well, I don't know where God is, but he's not here. He's not in this. You know, mm-hmm. the, that feels like the front line. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Craig, you're cancer. Like, when that hit, yeah. what did you do with interpreting that? Yeah. Well, when I was first diagnosed, was one level. And then when a, a treatment was required, I was overwhelmed with, this just sucks, I was confident this had nothing to do with uh, God, that this is a lot of disease and illness. It's just it's just part of a world that's been broken for so long, and these things come along and they happen. And so my first response was kind of battle and fighting, standing against death and disease and evil, just seizing this. But so much of my experience, which you've already hit on, Jonas, I was so surprised at how shameful I felt for having cancer. I remember that. I wanted to hide. I hated the fact that I needed so much prayer. 
felt like the center of the universe was me and I was embarrassed by it. And so there's a ton of shame. And there was that immediate sense of I'm responsible, I'm at fault, and I could have done something or lived differently and and not gotten this. It was horrible. I remember in the early days of your diagnosis, you got slammed with, I brought this on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, poor choices in my life. Mm-hmm. And not only were you suffering, but then you had the guilt yeah. over your suffering. Yeah, yeah, you... You want some explanation for the suffering, some cause, for some reason to understand your suffering, you believe it'll bring some relief, right. that it it had to have been that time in the closed, unventilated room when I was spray painting all that furniture. That must have been when I inhaled all those uh, chemicals yeah. 40 years ago. That must be it. There's kind of this desperate need, at least mm-hmm. with me, to understand it and put mm-hmm. the pieces together mm-hmm. that will then help comfort me. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't always come, and, and I even say it's a grace that it doesn't. But I felt alone, even though others in the chemo lounge had gone through great suffering and very similar. You just you just feel horribly alone, and you can turn inward withdraw, which is kind of my tendency anyways. The perfect storm for a guy who's a move-away person is just to check out and move. And, John, for me, I'm so grateful because God came and he didn't give me an immediate interpretation, but he spoke to me. Mm. And he said, Craig, you're not going to see me in the large things for a while. This was the first day of treatment. You won't see me in the large things, but you'll see me in the small. Mm-hmm. Look for me there. Yes. And so that was enough. And there were other words he spoke mm. to me. None of them told me why or whether this would be redeemed, where it was going, mm-hmm. what purpose was behind this. But it felt like God spoke to me in the midst of it and gave me everything I needed to get through it. And the interpretation only began to come, and I'm not sure I have it fully right now, (laughs) but it feels like a year, year and a half later, I begin to see more clearly Christ in it and how he was using it and how it fits. And I'm beginning to see the redemption to the point where I can even rejoice and thank God for it. Mm. Mm. Friends, We're going to push into these categories in this podcast and in the next one in in terms of how to interpret disappointment and suffering. But I hope you hear these opening remarks of you might not get interpretation right away, but you can get God heads up. Your very first battle is typically either with guilt or shame of some kind. I did this to myself. I brought this on myself or some level of abandonment by God, or he's just not here in this, he's not helping me, he's distant, he's not coming through. So just heads up. Craig, as we think through, I want to give some categories for interpreting disappointment, heartache, suffering. And the first one you referred to with just your understanding of cancer, that 
this is a broken world and mm-hmm. broken bodies and broken people. And George Herbert is one of my favorite poets. He was a English pastor in the 1500s. And he has this wonderful line where he says, to be in both worlds full is more than God was, who was hungry here. And referring to the life of Jesus and his hunger and that idea of to be in both worlds full, you just, nobody gets that. Not even God got that. And to understand, I love the movie Patch Adams. <laughs> I think it's a powerful movie. I think Robin Williams does a phenomenal job in it. I think it's got some great messages. Yeah. It also has some really horrible messages. And there's the scene where he's a young doctor with a dream of providing free medical care to the poor and of doing medicine differently than kind of the big corporate model. And he invites a group of med students to join him in his dream and his vision. And, you know, right alongside him is the woman he loves. And in the movie, she is brutally murdered in some ways because of the naivete and, in a sense, the foolishness of Patch Adams. And so then comes the scene where he's standing on a cliff face, you know, kind of having it out with God. He's crying out for interpretation. Hmm. Why? Why, God? And he begins by saying, what do you want from me? Hmm. And he's pleading. He says, answer me, please. Tell me what you're doing. You have this beautiful moment of a man absolutely brokenhearted, mm-hmm. crying out to God for interpretation. But then he says, okay, let's let's just start with the facts here. You create man. Man suffers enormous amounts of pain and dies. And he says, maybe you should have had a few more brainstorming sessions before you did this. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Christian friends, do you mm-hmm. hear what's missing in that? I mean, he's trying to interpret Act 3, and he goes from Eden, right, to our mm-hmm. current suffering, and he forgets, oh, friends, like, we betrayed God. Man fell. Yeah. This is not the world that you were designed for. Man fell, and in our fall, we turned the whole world over to the evil one. We went into bondage to evil. The world creation went into bondage to evil and therefore the entrance of disease, suffering, illness, all of that. Death was not a part of the plan. Death comes into the story. And so you just want to say, oh, Patch, like I understand your rage, anger, heartache. You know, you don't have the story right. Mm -hmm. You know, you are the sea lion who lost the sea. This is not the world that you are designed to live in. And I mean, do we forget that when pain and disappointment strike? Yeah. Yeah. I think, John, you've hit on this a number of ways and places that reminding us we're in Act 3, Act 4 is yet to come. Now, one of the beauties of that is, is that while I think suffering in this world is inevitable because it's fallen, it's broken, it's profoundly damaged, So are the people living in it who cause us great harm and through policies or relationships and slights and offenses can cause a great toll upon us. 
it's inevitable we're going to suffer. There's various kinds of suffering. It has so many different looks. James puts it, consider it all joy when you encounter diverse or various trials. But the good news in what we're talking about, being in Act 3, Act 4 is yet to come, is all suffering is also temporary. Yeah. That's what gives us hope is the day will come, Mm -hmm. not when we uh, are annihilated or just cease to be, but life as it was intended is richly and fully ours. No matter what the suffering, the hope the Christian has, one of the hopes is it's temporary. Yeah. I think that particularly in the West, we've been set up to believe that You can have a lot of Act 4 now. Mm -hmm. I think there's theologies that teach that. And I just think that, honestly, just the power of things like cell phones and iPads and computers and, you know, phenomenal restaurants and amazing cars and home. I mean, not everybody gets that. But for the most part in the West, life's pretty good for most people. When you look back at the history of the world, I mean, most people's children died in childbirth mm-hmm. in the history of the world. You know, Most people had very short lifespans in the history of the world. Something has happened, some level of expectation slash entitlement has come in. And let me illustrate this with a phenomenal story. Stacy recently met with a woman who has a ministry in India to women who are sexually trafficked, prostituted women. As you know, that's a very dynamic kind of ministry going on on the street level all over the world right now. But it's very different depending on the culture that you're in. And in India, what you have to understand is in this particular situation, in this particular city, These women cannot simply be taken out of the trade. They'll be hunted down and killed. Hmm. There's no refuge for them. Because of India culture, those women can't go get jobs and employment. They are outcasts, that it's over. Their life sentence has been written. And so this woman was explaining to us that her ministry is that she teaches them about Act 4. She teaches them about the coming kingdom. She has these women into her home, and they worship Jesus. And she just describes these phenomenal worship evenings, encounters with Christ. And then these women go back to a prostituted life. Mm. I mean, those of us in the West just reel at that. We're so offended by it because we just kind of assume, you know, you can figure a way out. Everybody gets a great life. With our medical resources, with our political options, with, right? You just mm-hmm. kind of figure, I just want to say, that's not reality. It hasn't been reality in the history of the world for mankind, and it's not reality for most of the rest of the world, mm-hmm. including these women in India. You know, and they're rejoicing in the hope mm-hmm. of the coming kingdom, but they're not shocked or you know, are surprised by current suffering, you don't live in India and be shocked by suffering. Yeah. And and so, I mean, friends, what we're just trying to say is category one, as you interpret your disappointment, your suffering, just might not be God, might not be you, mm-hmm. might not be others. It might just be a broken world. It might just be that 
to be in both worlds full is more than God was, who was hungry here. I mean, there's just just an enormous amount of heartache in this world. And we're not inviting it. We're not, quote, making agreements with it. You know, we look for life. We look for breakthrough. We fight for, you know, prostituted women. We contribute to those causes. I mean, and yet, just, like, don't be shocked, you Mm -hmm. know, that you live in a broken world, category number one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Category number two. The God comes into that world, that he's present. He wants to make himself known, enter in and speak. And that may not mean healing, may not be lifting of the circumstances. It may have nothing to do with circumstances being changed, as you're describing the women in India, but there's something internal that can happen that I think eventually leads to some form of interpretation, but in the immediacy, it's God is present, yes. God is real, yes. God is there. Yes. I do not know where this is going, but there's a sense of I'm absolutely clinging to mm. him. Mm. And there's no assurances that medically, politically, financially, relationally, this may resolve itself as I wish, but I am clinging and all I know is God God present, true, and real. Please do that. I mean, please. Like, I know our natural response is, mine is, I got to get out of this. <laughs> I, got, I mean, instantly, of course, you know, suffering hits, disappointment hits. I got to fix this. I got to fix that, fix the relationship, you know, switch churches, change jobs, whatever, divorce the person. I'm, I mean, we just immediately go to, I got to fix this, you know, but, but the first thing is actually God. Yeah. God. Like, okay, another vital category is warfare. And again, I just, it's amazing how little we actually let this be a category, especially in the church, especially in the West. And I realized, Craig, that earlier in our conversation and how to interpret disappointment, suffering, different things in our lives, back when we were talking about how to interpret your internal world, I started a story that I didn't finish. I was describing waking up really downhearted. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and then it was going on not just for days but for weeks, going on for weeks upon weeks to the point that I began to be very concerned that am I slipping into a depression? Is this something mm. serious? You know, whoa, what's going on here? What was interesting was it wasn't just me it was stacy too hmm. and that's what kind of was a little bit of a trigger of maybe this isn't just me or just about me or some unresolved pain in my life or i need counseling or entering a period of depression um this was not that long ago waking up in the morning just low um mm-hmm. hopeless resignation downhearted and after I would kind of get up and go through my morning routine and, and kind of get into the day and you know pray through my prayers, I would feel better. Um, but finally, I, I don't know why I didn't ask, but finally I just asked Jesus. I'm like, Lord, what is this? What is this? And honestly, I was shocked by his response. I expected him to say, this is your grief at, at such and such. This is an unresolved pain 
from such and such. You know, I really kind of expected to go more in sort of counseling terms, kind of inner pain. Yes. And he said, John, this is hatred. This is demonic hatred that has been released against the saints in the world. Hmm. It's a very large assignment that's been released against the saints, and you are experiencing this. Hmm. What I want you to do is to bring my love and the glory of God against this, bring Mm -hmm. Christ against this, bring the work of Christ, Mm -hmm. bring my love against this. So I began to pray like that. It wasn't instantaneous, but I began to kind of faithfully pray like that, and it was gone. Mm It was gone. Now, like, again, how crucial interpretation is, because it would have been so easy to come to conclusions like, whoa, I'm really sad, would have been a conclusion. Yeah. I have undealt with pain. I'm slipping into a kind of ministry depression thing. Right. You know? And Jesus is like, actually, it's not any of those things. Yeah. This time, this particular situation, this isn't even you at all. I thought it was me. It felt so real. Yes. You know? And so, my goodness, can we remember that disappointment, suffering, pain, heartbreak, warfare's got to be a category. So they're... There is legitimate, true suffering. And what you're pointing to, John, there are cases and instances where, wait a minute, wait a minute, what you're experiencing is actually false, not true. That's not reality. You know, the liar and the accuser. Or it's reality, but it's a demonic reality that you can get rid of. Yes. Right? Oh, it's real. I mean, maybe he assaulted a relationship. Maybe he came in and blew up your job. Yeah. I mean, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, Jesus describes him as violent. That's better put. Yeah. I have a friend who was going through enormous back pain and tried everything, no relief. And then God came to him and brought up an unresolved conflict he had with an old high school buddy. And he granted that guy forgiveness and asked Christ to forgive him for his anger and bitterness. Gone. Gone. Healed. So, I mean, there's things that come our way. We truly are suffering as a result of sin, broken world. And some of it, as you're pointing out, John, is it's just pain or conflict or some something that can actually be lifted in Act 3 by God's intervention. Right, right. And maybe also just to help, you know, we're trying to give you categories to think through. There's just the brokenness of the world. There's warfare. And to remember that even if warfare wasn't the original cause of it, you know the enemy is going to want to jump on it. So just heads up to that, you know, heads up to just giving no place to darkness in the midst of your suffering, even if evil didn't, you know, cause the relational collapse, it was just human sin, or even if evil wasn't, you know, directly behind the automobile accident and the physical, you know that the enemy jumps on it with Mm. accusation, guilt, shame, or bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, those kinds of things. And we're just trying to kind of help you think through these things. So broken world, warfare, You know, another category to keep in mind is, especially in cases of disappointment and suffering, heartache, just the category that God might be up to something. Early in the days of Ransomed Heart, we had a number of what we felt like were kind of prophetic words over 
the founding of this ministry, and there was a lot of excitement and a lot of hope and dreams. And we had a very strong sense that we were to have a ministry center that was going to be kind of a a ranch-type place here in Colorado, out in the wilderness, beauty, and places where people can find God. And then we'd have, you know, buildings for ministry and gatherings and that sort of thing. And I mean, we were just convinced that that was the future of Ransomed Heart. And we put an awful lot of stock into those. They were both desires, but they were also kind of paralleled by what we felt were some signs from God, you know, mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. you recall the whole process. We were looking at land and looking at buildings and and God began to come into that process and began to show us that he was speaking a little bit more mythically than he was specifically, that in fact, that's not what he had for us. But I remember the day I was driving and the clarity came to me that, oh, that's not what God's doing. Actually, we're not going to get a ranch. We're not going to get a center. And I was devastated. Mm. I was crestfallen. I was heartbroken. I felt at some level tricked by God or, Mm. you know, and just all kinds of crap comes in on the heels of that. I don't hear from God. I'm not walking with God. I'm disappointed. You know, just all Mm -hmm. the kind of the chaos that goes around that. And friends, I mean, a couple years later, even sooner than that, we were rejoicing that we yes. didn't have a ranch. We were relieved that we weren't saddled with a facility. We use those kinds of facilities now, but other people own them and other ministries have them. And, you know, they need our business and we don't have to be innkeepers. You know, like there was massive disappointment and it was real. Mm-hmm. My heart was mm-hmm. just in the basement mm-hmm. for a while. But God was in it, and he was up to something else. You know, a dear friend of ours has just come through a disappointing relationship. And single guy, hoping not to be single anymore, and, you know, just came through another kind of disappointment in relationship. And the fact of the matter is, it was kind of a rescue. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really trust this girl, and we don't feel good about it. And I understand the longing and I understand the disappointment, but just the category that God might be up to something, he might be up to something else, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you lose one job, but that's so he can take you into another. You have a falling out in one church community, but that's because he's moving you to a new thing. You, You know, just letting this be a category in our disappointment, God could be up to something. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, John? that in any suffering or season of great disappointment, that there really are a couple things always at play. The enemy is always somehow involved. And regardless of the cause of the suffering, God is always ready and present Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. jump in and to bring himself to this. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we knew this was going to take more than one conversation, so we're going to hit the pause button here. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, and we're going to invite you to join us next time as we continue in the series on interpretation, and specifically, how do you interpret disappointment, suffering, heartbreak? Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening in.